Chapter One of Rejected of Men by Howard Pyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: The Voice of One Crying in the Wilderness. When John the Baptist began preaching, none of us of the more intelligent classes believed him to be really a prophet forerunning the coming of the Messiah indeed the better part of the world knew in the beginning nothing of his presence in its midst nor until we began to be aware that great streams of ignorant people were pouring out of the cities and towns and descending to listen to his preaching and to receive his baptism were we aware that such a man was in existence then the public journals those echoes of current thought and opinion began to take the matter up publishing longer and longer reports concerning him commenting upon the growing excitement the cause of which nobody seemed exactly to understand people read what was printed and wondered what it all meant just what those poor people who flocked to the baptism of john expected to see or to hear just what they expected to gain through his ministrations it was impossible to say if they had any real thought in the matter they did not tell to the world what it was they thought for those of the lower class do not talk freely to those of the upper class about their ideas with their intellectual superiors they are reserved suspicious and sometimes sullen to the trained thinker the untrained mind appears remote and its reasonings obscure when for instance dr caiaphas's assistant gardener came to that good clergyman in the middle of the week to ask him if he might be absent from work till the monday following and when the rector of the church of the advent asked the man if he were not going down to see the baptist and why he went he found his question confronted by just such logical obtuseness and inconsequence why you see sir said the man i did promise molly i'd take her and her sister down to be baptized that is if you can spare me sir and there ain't much doin just now but suppose i can't spare you thomas oh well sir it doesn't signify i can stay and molly and her sister can go down theirselves it was then that the rich wise priest tried to get at the mind of the other man and failed why do you want to go down to the baptism thomas he said don't you get enough of god's truth preached to you at home without having to go there to find it it's molly wants to go more than me sir but i want you to tell me what you yourself think do you really believe that this man has any more power to forgive your sins than i have do you think that by baptizing you with a little water he can wash away in a few seconds all the sins you have committed for the thirty-six years of your life mm, i don't know sir you don't know then if you don't know what is it you go for i should think you would want to know all there is to know before you ran away from god's truth preached from his holy word to hear what a madman in the wilderness has to say it's more on molly's account than mine sir the women do think a deal about them things sir but i say i want to know what you yourself think you ask for three or four days of time to go away from your work to hear this man preach you must have some reason for doing so 
do you really believe the blasphemous assertions of this mad preacher that almighty god the creator of the universe is actually going to send his messiah down into the midst of such a rabble as is gathered there i don't need to go if you can't spare me sir said the under gardener then dr caiaphas gave up the unequal contest there was no reasoning with such inconsequence it was like fighting the wind and he did not attempt it any further you may go if you choose thomas said he thank you sir said thomas it is probable that few who went to the baptism of john could assign a better reason dr caiaphas appeared to be right and his gardener appeared to be entirely wrong men of to-day know that the truth of john was true and that the truth of dr caiaphas was a mistake but to us illuminated with the light of our superior intelligence it appeared to be otherwise one of the journals of the day published a number of sun pictures of the baptist and of his disciples among these the world looked upon a picture of a baptism the crowd gathered in a dense motley mass upon the shore the baptist standing knee-deep in the water surrounded by penitents upon the head of one of whom he was in the act of pouring water another such picture was a portrait of the baptist himself he was standing in full sunlight in front of a tent and was surrounded by his immediate disciples there was a background of the same motley crowd that characterized all the pictured groups the central figure was the image of a singularly wild and curious figure lean haggard unshaven he was clad in loose trousers and shirt over which he wore a rough blouse of some coarse hairy material strapped about his waist with a broad leather belt his lean legs were bare and on his feet he wore coarse heavy brogans his pale eyes looked out directly at you from under brows contracted in the glare of the sunlight a tangled mop of hair was brushed back behind his ears and a shaggy beard hung down upon his breast one hand held a rough crooked staff and the other loosely grasped a shapeless hat the pose the expression of the face the dress all bespoke to the intelligent observer as clearly as the word itself could have done madness or else fanaticism the upper world looked upon this picture commented upon it even laughed at it for there is something to the intelligent mind that is almost ludicrous in the irrational and superstitious religious rites of the ignorant and credulous lower world the printed words accompanying the group of pictures declared that you had only to look upon the portrait of john the baptist to form your own conclusion as to what was the inspiration of all the excitement then fermenting among the lower masses they said that the sun picture spoke for itself without the need of comment and that the baptist either was insane and should be placed under restraint or else that he was an incendiary of the most dangerous character and should be imprisoned as such according to the law it gave the writer an excellent opportunity to deliver a blow at the political affairs of the day harrod he said was not our choice for subordinate governor nor was he we think the choice of the better element of the community 
he was placed in his position by a strange coalition of the classes and the masses and he is now supported in power by just such a rabble as are at present gathered to hear this mad preacher's eloquence it is very possible that governor harrod is afraid to enforce the law against this man for fear he should lose the support of that ignorant and vicious class which itself is the mainstay of his political power but it is a pity that all the more conservative part of the community should be endangered by the unlicensed preaching of this madman simply because harrod desires to succeed himself in his present position such words as these voiced the entire thought of the law-abiding scribes and pharisees the logic appeared to us to be very true and unanswerable it is only now in later days that the world has come to know that we were wrong and the motley multitudes that surrounded john the baptist were right but what thoughtful man can reasonably condemn us for holding a position so rational as that which we maintain End of chapter one